Remember, they won't hear me. So if you could answer the questions in complete sentences, I built the maze because... I built the maze because I wanted to make something. And? Oh, God. Am I coming off angry? Just please don't let me come across angry on this. Don't, or spineless, please. Of course not. If God, for fuck's sake, do not make me look like a spineless asshole. Of course not. Boom. I built something because I wanted to build something. And if I could just finish it, I just know that it would, it would be great. It would, or true, or real. And tertiary, tertiary, I might be responsible for the people that died yesterday or today. I don't know what time it is. And if I am, then I'm sorry. Tertiarily. Tell me more about that. Dave, don't go. Welcome to Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes talk about, well, usually anime, but this time they talk about whatever the fuck they want the other two to to watch, listen to, observe, whatever. It's summer viewing, is what I'm saying. And Bill is miming me. <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> a for effort. Uh, hey, he's bad at miming. He's Bill. <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this box. <laughs> And uh, he's uh, now a paper bag puppet for some reason. He's Matt. It's summer viewing, and the some that are viewing are us. <laughs> and I'm just warning you not to come in. It's not ready yet, and you'll just get hurt. But enough about my social life. My name is Andy. <laughs> Enemas. <laughs> I was picturing a swing of a certain variety. Oh, my. <laughs> I was in my hammock uh, today, this morning. It was really nice. It was a sex hammock. No, it wasn't a sex hammock. Just a regular hammock, and it was it was glorious. It was a glorious like holes. hour of no holes involved <laughs> in this hammock. It's just it was, it was just a literal hammock, and it was breezy, and it was it was downcast, and it was wonderful. So most hammocks that I've seen are do have lots of holes in them. Is yours a solid type? Yes, mine's a solid type. It's got a. It's got like. It's just a big sheet of, like, cloth. So it's a tarp. It's a tarp, essentially, yeah. It's a tarp. <laughs> yes, it's a tarp. It's a cloth. It's a cloth tarp that's got, like, hangy things on either side of this, like, big thing. Yeah, it's just, it's great. It's great. Wunderbar. Did you just make it out of a bed sheet? No, I bought, like, a real one. I bought oh, okay. real things. It was great. It was great. Where did you hang it? It's it's in my backyard. I have a big <laughs> metal stand for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Hammer talk! Yeah, we're now we're here to talk about hammocks. We're here to talk about summer viewing. Uh, this is episode one of summer viewing, uh, which is the time of year in which all of us choose some form of media that the other two have never seen or listened to or played or whatever the particular genre smelled. is. Smelled. 
Absolutely. Uh, and then the other two experience that media, and then we come back and we report our thoughts on that media. Uh, we are starting our summer viewing this time with Matt. I figured it would be a great opportunity for Matt to go first uh, because he's the only one I think right now that knows for sure which one he wanted to, what he wanted <laughs> to do, uh, which is the cinematic film. I guess I don't know if I call it an indie film. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Definitely an indie film. Okay. Uh, which is uh, Dave Made a Maze, I do believe is the uh, title of it. Correct. Yep. A little on the nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Call back to the movie. That's uh, that's fair. They, they, they make that joke in the movie. They do make that joke in the movie. <laughs> Matt, this is your choice. Bill and I had never seen this film before. By the way, if you want to watch this film, it is on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you can search out this film and watch it. I'm going to... Start by just asking you, Matt, why this particular film, and uh, what do the fans at home need to know about it generally before we kind of dive into specific things? Dave made a maze, and I love it all so much. Dave made a maze. Uh, no, I can't. I don't even know the lyrics to that song, so I can't parody it properly. <laughs> I caught this in the theater in 2017. Did you really? I did. It had a limited run at the Alamo Draft House, of course. Of course, the Alamo Draft House. <laughs> and it was a great experience. I immediately started researching when the Blu-ray was going to come out, and I bought that as soon as I could. And it was like first it was only offered through there through the production website, so So did you pick up the DVD right away then? Yeah. Excellent. It was only offered through the website before they actually, you know, really put it out mass. Fastest I ever uh, acted upon a movie I just saw. <laughs> did you have any idea like about this film going in? Did you just pick it blind? Did you know about the production company? I went in completely blind. Okay. It was just a showing that at the draft house. It sounded interesting, so I'm like, I'm there. Why did you choose this particular film for us to watch? And then we'll kind of talk about like what the people should expect, and then we'll kind of dive into it. So like, why did you pick this one for for Bill and myself to? experience and for our fans to hear all about this was a real toss-up i had initially had quite a few ideas for possibilities and in the in the end i just thought about which ones would get the best reactions from the two of you <laughs> and i i had it narrowed down to dave made a maze and house to the second story <laughs> both of which are just rather kind of nuts this is one of those types of films it is kind of out there We'll put you on the spot, Matt. Oh, thirty-second pitch. Oh, if someone, someone who's never heard of this film ever. How would you explain it to them in about thirty seconds or less? Or less it doesn't have to be thirty seconds. It could be or less. Hmm. Cardboard Tardis Tech. That was the shortest summary, <laughs> but the most succinct. I think you could have for this film. Yeah, I think it's about time for us to kind of dive into the movie. Let's try to um, figure out. A little bit about it, uh, especially because I'm going to assume that most people haven't seen it. I guess I just going to going to start with like a like a very very brief like, sort of like overview to like expand upon your 30 second pitch. Um, uh -huh. So our main character is Dave. Dave. I would argue with you there that uh, actually I think Annie is probably our main character. Okay, well uh, for those who are listening, Annie is Dave's, Dave's girlfriend. Yes, Dave's girlfriend. Or is are they more? Well, live-in girlfriend, fiance. <laughs> Very serious partner, let's put it that way. We have these two characters, uh, and she comes home to find that 
Dave has built an elaborate cardboard. I guess, well, I mean, technically it's a maze, but they don't, don't really know that at the moment. Like, it just kind of looks like a fort, like, like a little kid would make. Yeah. Except it's got, like, steam coming out of vents. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And his voice is extremely echoey. Yep. Yep. Love it. And he's got, uh, like, working fans in various, like, ports and stuff. Spinning. Yes. Yes. Gotta keep the airflow going. And... Essentially, what happens to give you the the very broad overview, and then we can dive into like moments and characters and so on and so forth. Is he has built this and he refuses to come out. Actually, there's a little bit before that even. Okay. Uh, we have the animated opening where she leaves for a trip and he just kind of meanders around, starting a bunch of projects and then mm-hmm. yep. not finishing them and. Uh, not succeeding and, mm-hmm. and kind of being lazy or being depressed. And mm-hmm. then that's where we start live action, her opening the door, coming back from her trip. Yes. To yes. find the, the fort. Yes. And, uh, and a whole bunch of origami birds on the floor. He's really good at origami. He is very good at origami, which is a skill that I do not have. I mean, he can make the birds. So the rest of the film centers around a bunch of Dave's friends coming over and then ent- and then entering the maze. A handful of Dave's friends, and then and several strangers. Yeah, one of his... They call it one friend, and that one friend is like, fuck it, and gets like a Flemish couple, and... Oh, yeah, I forgot uh, about the Flemish couple. Uh, a homeless man, and just like tells random... random people about it. Yeah, because it's just a fucking weird eccentric thing, so like, why not come and see this weird guy being... having like a midlife crisis or breakdown or something along those lines. Uh, at least he's not in a closet with a with a bag over his head. Or a belt around his neck. Ooh. Old David Carradine. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a different Dave. That's not me, folks. There's two autoerotic asphyxiation jokes made at Dave's expense. So, when that submarine is at the bottom of the sea, the oxygen was running out, oh. you think anyone on the floor was just like, you know what? Topical. I'm, <laughs> I'm asphyxiating anyway, so... Maybe I'll just crank out one last one. I mean, honestly, who cares if there's anyone around? Well, there's three maybe, people, but... Maybe, I mean, maybe hope that they join in? I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean, crank one out? <laughs> <laughs> Whack it in my tool shed, you know? <laughs> they, they just had to make sure the uh, father was at the opposite ends of the That's true. circle jerk. Or else that'd be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Farting? No. Yep. Yeah, no, no! <laughs> yep. Jerking off. Anyway, uh... Whack it off. Whack, oh. whack it off in my tool shit. Punching the oh. dolphin. Spanking the monkey. Choking the clown. Shining... Shining the... Trophy. Shining the purple helmet. Um... Strangling... The... Something. <laughs> the sausage. Saluting the colonel. <laughs> I'm out of euphemisms for masturbation. <laughs> I could probably keep going. <laughs> well, anyway. Oh, blasting man butter. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't, get it be, now. wouldn't it be mayonnaise? Anywho, so. <laughs> I broke Andrew. So all of these people just show up in Dave and Annie's apartment. And then, despite Dave saying, don't come in, they go in and find an elaborate magical realism fantasy maze inside of this small box. <laughs> it, it, it is indeed they, bigger on the inside. Turns out when he said it's bigger on the inside, it, it truly is. Yes. A couple of these uh, actors are known people. 
Uh, do either of you know the group OK Go? Uh, I'm vaguely aware of the uh, group, and I did hear that one of the people was the basis of it. Yeah, the no, bearded guy. The black bearded guy with the glasses. Well, there's someone from Buffy. Is there? I was watching with Aaron, and Aaron was talking about uh, one the dude who played the best friend. Was okay. someone was someone from someone from Buffy? Ah, oh, oh, okay. If he was, he wasn't a very big part of Buffy. He played. He. I'm trying to remember what role he played. But he was some. He was in Buffy, and he played a played a character in Buffy. Okay. Well, there was somebody from a from a TV show who had a big role in that show, and is also in this. Scott Krinsky from Chuck. Yeah. Best known to Chuck fans as Jeff of Jeffster. Hmm. I was quite pleased to see him in this movie when I first saw it. I was like, oh, ah, hey. Well, uh, James Urbaniak is Dr. Venture. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that uh-huh. until somewhat recently. Huh. Yeah. Okay. That one, I, that one I knew. Okay. I guess that's the premise of the film. They have to find their way out of the maze. Rescue Dave. And rescue Dave. <laughs> who is lost. He he is lost in the in the maze. Lost in his own, lost in his own maze. Um, I think he's he's lost in a maze in your living room that he built. It's way stupider. A maze of his own making. I want to start before it was like just kind of diving in, and I'm going to start with Bill and ask a question. Says I know that Bill loves practical effects. Correct. You are huge into practical effects, and this I it's what I wanted to do when I grew up when I was a kid. Yes. Cool. This film is very heavy on the practical effects. So I want to go to Bill to start and kind of talk about the use of practical effects in this and some of the things that you really enjoyed. Maybe my favorite part of the entire movie. Um, Obviously, the practical effects didn't look realistic because they weren't supposed to. You know, it was magical realism, like you said. So um, everything was made of cardboard and craft supplies. And it was amazing. I love that they were able to build all these things and make them move. And like the friggin' Minotaur. I'm already a fan of Minotaurs in general as a monster. So the Minotaur in this film was amazing. Yeah, all right. Just a buff dude with a bullhead like made of cardboard. <laughs> yes. So good. Yes, please. And the um, the gore of the movie. The gore was great. It was so good. Um, because it wasn't realistic gore. It was craft supplies. <laughs> yes. When the chick loses her, cuts her head cut off. Yes. It's what? like red confetti being sprayed everywhere. <laughs> I, I really want to know, uh, what, what went through your heads when you saw that part. Cause that's, when I saw the movie in the theater, that's when I knew that I was watching something pretty damn special. I think I, that's a uh, very close. Um, I laughed. I loved it. Yeah, I think maybe that's a point where you could say that this is actually something very bizarre and very unique. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I thought like like that was the first moment where I'm like, oh, okay, so the rules like I, I'm getting already getting the vibe of like magical realism, but like, man, the rules are completely rewritten in this weird labyrinth that he's created that becomes this like manifestation of his creativity and his his like loathing or inability to like finish something and like and there, there's something like really fascinating about the overall story of like what he's creating and 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 whatnot here so i i was in i think after like really in after that first death yes i also really kind of wondered if those deaths were going to stick like if they were real deaths i also thought the same thing 
because I was expecting Dave when he, he reveals that he has like paper mache hand or whatever to like <laughs> come back into the real world and have his regular hand back. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Or take off the take off the, the paper. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers, by the way, folks. <laughs> yeah. By, yeah. Oh, yes. By the way, we're going to be spoiling the shit out of this movie. Um, so if you want to go watch this um, on your own, uh, I would maybe pause here and come back to, uh, to our discussion after we finished. Oh, he was one of the nerds. Okay, I do know who that is. The best friend that was in Buffy. I re- it took okay. me a I did not uh, recognize him. Gotcha. Okay. He was one. He was one of the three nerds there in season six. Gotcha. I was just saying that's what I was told. So I don't know. No, no, absolutely. I didn't recognize him, but yes. Now, <laughs> well, now that a few years later, so yeah, very much so. Back to the the death scene because. Jane is this character's name, and she they're all in this one room in the maze. She comes in all excited. She's very excitable, and she steps on a booby trap trigger. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they, and they they're standing there waiting around to see what's going to happen. And just after Gordon, the best friend, says, "Okay, I think we're good." This cardboard axe or something just it's passes a, a by guillotine. and a gu- guillotine or whatever. Swings by Jane, and this little red ribbon appears across her mm-hmm. neck. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, an actual ribbon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> then we see her from the back, and her head tumbles forward, and colorful yarn and yep. string and confetti and whatnot just sprays all over everybody. Well, not colorful, red specifically. Yeah, all red, red. Right. I also love the part where she stepped on it. And then you saw the mechanism going. Yes. You know, the, the, the cardboard gears turning and the, uh, the worm gear pulling out and the shaft going and then the card, the little cardboard hatchet falling and cutting the rope. Mm-hmm. Yes. So and there, good. there's, it's done in such a way that it's just funny how they did it. Uh huh. That reminds me of another scene where they're being chased by the Minotaur and they're kind of like trying to hold. It's a scene where the friend gets his hand stuck in the tape and then like they're <laughs> all the parts of the wall are like pushing out. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a cool little, you know, practical, practical effect. effect. I, I yep. thought that was really neat. I also read, uh, just doing a little bit of research on this movie, they only had two rooms in the studio to build the Holy maze. shit. Are you serious? So at any given time, they're filming in one room, and they're building the next one in shooting order. And then they yep. shoot in that one, they tear down and rebuild. Wow. This is the average lifespan of a room is about four hours. Holy yep. crap. Yes. That's dedication right there. It, that's amazing. I, like I said, practical effects alone makes this movie worth watching. Yes, I have often said that I think it's this is one of the most creative movies ever made. Absolutely. I was actually just kind of thinking to myself, you know, I'm starting to get kind of marveled out. I'm starting to get kind of modern movied out. They're all kind of the same. We've been going back and watching, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind just to watch something different. Mm-hmm. Ah. This movie absolutely scratched my itch to watch something bizarre and creative and kind of deep. Yeah, I, I think my favorite part of this, practical effects aside, my favorite part is the theme of like crisis or like finding like value in the things that you do. Um, like that whole scene where we get like windows into the relationship between the two where they're like sitting at the table and they have the conversation yep. and then they redo that whole scene with basically a lot of the same dialogue, but like the yep. tones are different and the situation's different. 
it, it hit me really hard as, you know, we've all experienced, I think, to some extent, like when relationships start to sour or go bad, especially as someone who was in a really long relationship that was really important and just kind of seeing like the, just the, the pain and the apathy and, and like, you could just like see the ways in which a relationship is breaking apart. Yep. And, and it, it hit me super hard. Um, watching that entire like sequence there because like, like my heart like kind of broke, like watching them. And unlike a lot of other films where it's like very formulaic and cheesy, like when it comes to like the relationships and like, you know, they're going to like, Oh, they'll have some sort of tribulation, but they'll be together at the end. Like I didn't know if they would get, be together at the end. And I, I wasn't even sure like, you know, and it also made like their re- reconciliation that much more powerful, just the way that they presented their relationship together in some of those scenes. Right. It's nothing I can speak to. I've never really had a relationship with anyone like that. And I don't have quiet come apart moments. I throw fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, well, at least for me, it, it, it hit home really hard watching that, watching those scenes. No, it was uh, very well acted, well written. Yeah. Yeah. Very genuine. So, so between that, like the, 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 the genuine connection between the, the two and then just seeing how defeated Dave feels as a character of like, I just want to do one thing that's creative, that's important, that's not just the nine to five, that's not like, like he just, he just needs so much to accomplish this. And then the fact that they want to come in and just like wreck all of his work at first, it's silly. But then once yep. you like get in there and you see like this manifestation of of like everything that he's like experiencing, it's like, man, just you root for him to like like finish it or like find the heart of the of, of the of the of the thing and create the thing and then then destroy it. Then at least finish what you set out to do. And I think, I guess, is it too early to go into what does it mean? No, I think we're kind of we're kind of dancing around it a little bit. I exactly. Yeah, I caught it on. Three to four different levels, depending on where you want to draw the line. Um, obviously, we have the actual plot. He built the maze. He wants to build it. It's the magical, weird, big maze. People going to rescue him. Yes. Yeah. The literal I don't, Yeah, the literal level. And then, yeah, there is the, the level that I hear a lot of people comment on, the one that you commented on, where this is an artistic endeavor and he wants to prove that he could set out to finish something he started. You know, she loves him even if his art isn't perfect, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. I get that. That yeah. That's a level two. Early on, I never quite shook the idea that the maze either represented depression or addiction. Okay. Hmm. Because she leaves, he does all this stuff, and then he falls into a trap of his own design. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He keeps telling everybody, stay out, don't come in, don't take it apart, leave me alone. And he actually needs people to go in there with him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know how to get out. He That's doesn't understand what's happening. And he needs people to come help him. Absolutely. Now, that works on both the addiction and the depression level. Mm-hmm. Um, and depression is still the thing that kind of resonates the hardest with me. Same. I, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he had a film crew who was kind of a reality TV, like the show intervention. And to the point that even the producer's like, I didn't like that. Why don't you do that again and say it differently or stand this way and and do that whole thing again. And it almost felt like 
a commentary on those reality shows, like intervention reality shows. Mm-hmm. One step removed where the film crew is part of the story. Mm-hmm. Sure. I've not read anything else about people saying that. I've not come to anything else about that. It just, it, they're the things that stuck in my head. No, that's really good. That's, that's, uh, yeah. the, the whole idea of trapping himself in his, uh, something of his own making and then begging people not to come, come find him, right? Cause it's yeah. too dangerous. Yeah. Like that, that resonates, that resonates huge. Yeah. Those he ideas. wants to deal with it himself. He wants everybody to think he's got a handle, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he wants to have value, right? Mm-hmm. Or he wants to not burden everybody else with his problem. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really great. Yeah, that's good thinking there. Yeah, that like I said, the, the depression one especially hit me really. Mm-hmm. I kept kind of vacillating between depression and, and drug addiction until the very end when it became like, oh no, I'm just trying to finish something I started, which is a decent theme, but uh, didn't hit me quite as hard as the other ones. No, that's fair. That's that's really good. Matt, what do you have to add to? The, the idea of the bigger message, putting aside for now, like the the visuals, the acting, the the quirkiness. Like aside from that, was there anything that stayed with you in in viewing this film? I think this was maybe the first time I actually started to understand the uh, scene between Dave and Annie near the end, where they're in this sort of nether world, talking to each other and exchanging these cardboard paper costumes back and forth. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That they, I think that was my first time. This was my first time really realizing that they're solidifying their relationship. There, they were in a relationship, but they definitely weren't married. But I think there's they were deciding that they actually did love each other enough to do that in that sequence. I mean, you had a full-on tuxedo and, and dress at one point, so that's yeah. got to signify yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that nice subtle bit of dialogue there about a big day, uh huh, or the big day, as it were. I'm not much of a deep thinker. I think you guys know this. That's fair. That's okay. That's all right. It crossed my mind just really now. You know, maybe this was cold feet before a wedding or... Could be, yeah. um, Or even the wedding itself, you know, the fact that he's in this and he's kind of feeling lost and stuck and he doesn't know what to do, but he also knows if he finishes it, then it's, you know, then everything will be okay. And Maybe he figures that if he doesn't finish it, that he'd be no good as a marriage partner. Yeah, and maybe that's why there's a cinematographer and a bunch of extra friends and a bunch of randos and stuff. Sitting around? Yeah. That's interesting. Which one of them has the Flemish side of the family? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, probably Dave. Probably Dave. (laughs) Probably. I don't know, let's talk about favorite characters. Like, of all the characters, there's a lot, there's a big cast in this. Does anyone have, like, a character that, like, really resonated and stayed with them in this film? I think Annie was the strongest character. Yeah, definitely agree she was. It's not a skyrocketing view of, like, I loved her and related to her because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, she just kind of had the most meat of anybody. So she was your favorite? Probably, yeah. Just by default, just there's more to her. I liked the one friend, I can't remember his name, was it Larry? The one that the one that left it and came back and then, like, Leonard. Won- Leonard, okay. Wandered into it, so like they've already gone through the whole labyrinth, and we always just cut back to him, like kind of traipsing yeah. through, way behind. Like <laughs> that, that the scene where, and this is probably my favorite scene of the whole movie, like and not this one, but the initial one where like he comes out and like rolls out and is in puppet form, 
like yeah. after after everyone's already been in puppet form, I'm like, oh my god, the puppets again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just I loved like seeing his reaction to all the things, and didn't 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 he at the end get killed? Like he's just like slowly dying for like a course of like five <laughs> minutes of screaming. <laughs> yeah, he gets killed by by cardboard buzz saws. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. The climax of the movie, and everybody's like, yeah, and he's just, ah! <laughs> they cut back to him just going, ah, like three times. Uh, the Minotaur also is on the short list of favorite characters for me. Yeah. Again, probably just because the idea of the Minotaur in the Labyrinth is a, a thing for me. Like, uh-huh. really, it's always an idea I like. You are a lover of Minotaurs. I am. I, I Right back to the old Batman the Animated Series episode where they had the big brass Minotaur the Riddler made in Batman's in the Maze. Yes. Love that Riddler episode. Yep. Crazy intent means locomotive. Matt, you have a favorite character from this film? I think it's Gordon. I think Gordon is very much what I would be like in this situation. Okay, I can see that. I don't know if I'd be brave enough to be the guy who leads the Minotaur away so everybody else can escape. Uh, but I'd definitely be popping in there with the uh, one-liner attempts, and I would certainly have the same reaction to the maze drinking my blood. <laughs> yeah, you would. Which was the only bit of actual gore in the in the whole thing. Yeah, he gets a paper cut right at the very beginning. A cardboard cut, even worse. Yeah. Yeah. And it drops onto the cardboard and gets sucked, sucked right away. Ugh, like, yeah. not even that we have a, a dark spot or anything, it's just gone. Which brings you to thinking that the maze might be alive. It's kind of an eldritch horror, eldritch location right? kind of. Well, that and the, uh, when we have puppet, uh. Yes! Speaking of horror. What's her, yeah, what's her name? Puppet Jane? Yeah. Uh-huh. That whole sequence, you know, she's kind of an avatar for the maze. Yeah. Trying to. Oh, to Bryn. Talk to, Bryn. Bryn, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm bad at names. <laughs> yeah. I just had a conversation not that long ago about how, like, I love high fives. I think they're cool and energetic <laughs> and just, like, and there's, like, something just primal about a really good high five. And now I'm kind of afraid of high fives. <laughs> <laughs> I hate She's... high fives because I have terrible aim. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I, don't, I don't like them right now because they hurt. Well, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. yeah it's, uh, that whole sequence is, like, really crazy. High five! <laughs> yeah, and then she well, has to you go want like, a high five. I want a high five because that's what man does. <laughs> I love that line. That yeah, that's what man does. does. That's what man does. So it's good. Kind of a terrifying line. It's extremely the terrifying. whole scene. Seriously, yeah. especially when uh, when Harry asks, "What if she's still in there trying to get out?" Right, because you can actually see her eyes mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. yeah the cardboard. Fucking crazy. And then, super creepy. Near the end of that scene, when the giant hand bursts forth, when they rip her away. Oh yeah. You know they put the rope on her and they rip her away, and that big hand comes rising up. Oh, yep. so weird. She was a combination marionette and hand puppet, maybe, or I'm a muppet, or maybe just a hand puppet. <laughs> a muppet. Well, it's not quite a mop, and it's not quite a puppet, <laughs> but man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, another scene that I thought was really cool, and it was a minor one, is that room they go in that has the forced perspectives. That yes. is my favorite part of the whole movie right there. That was there. insane. That was so cool. That was that... really good. Oh, oh, man. A lot of good reveals. D- Dave, 
you broke you've broken every law of physics. How did you do it? And again, my favorite part of that scene is when Anna's looking at appears to be looking at the the photo or uh, the portrait of herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then somebody walks between and you realize it's just an itty bitty little stamp in the front of the mm-hmm. field of view. That was so good. That is very good. Yeah, that whole room is trippy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful re- reveal on on the fact that it's done that way because you got Gordon who's walking towards the camera to try and pick up a a cup that's that'll be in front of him, but the, you see the camera guy pick it up instead, mm-hmm. and he's standing way back in the back. And it's, yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. If there were any awards given to this movie of any kind, they should have been given for that scene at least for cinematography. Yes, yeah, and, for sure, and and set decoration, design, whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't watch award shows. I don't know what. Right, but what it, they it, classify as. But yes, it just floors me every time I watch it. All right, any other uh, scenes that stood out to either of you in this film that are worth mentioning? My second favorite scene is the one right after that, the puppets, where they're all paper bag puppets. So good. Oh, it's so good. The best part of that whole thing is when they're all just like. There and then the Minotaur comes in as a puppet, and they're yeah, like, so and cute. they're like, they're like, well, this isn't bad. So then he lowers down and comes back up as the actual Minotaur. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Good. Combat. Well, like two right. seconds before that, when it comes up and it goes, <laughs> <laughs> great comedy, <laughs> excellent comedy. I love it. It's, uh, yes, the ending too, where like the Minotaur comes out of the pile of cardboard. <laughs> um, also, the ones where they're outside of it. And they're rattling the maze. Yeah. And, and it's like a huge earthquake inside and stuff's falling down. And, and then we see the inverse of that when they start like wrecking mm-hmm. stuff. And like the one box just goes blink. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. We also forgot to mention the vagina room. That was about to say, we gotta, we I gotta didn't bring that up. Forget it. I just don't know what to say about it. I, was he just horny? <laughs> Probably. It's just, she was, she was, she's been gone for a while. Although he well, says he made it for Gordon. <laughs> that has some other implications, and I don't, I don't Gordon's know Gordon's like, that. I don't, I get enough girls. Plenty. Well, and it was weird, too, that that's what caused his hand to turn to cardboard. Right. Because he stuck his hand in it. Fingering. He was, he was cheating on his girl, perhaps? M- maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's designed to after hers. It undulates quite a bit, then. That was... Maybe the the one gag in the movie that didn't need to be as long and drawn out as it was. Because it was like, oh no, don't touch that, it's a trap. And then the next person comes in and goes to stop it, and person A goes, no, it's a trap, don't touch it. And then person C comes in and goes to stick their hand in it, and person (laughs) B goes, no, it's a trap. (laughs) Like, we do that like seven times. And then later, when the boom mic guy has disappeared, do you think he turned his dick into cardboard? Possibly, because he does come back looking shifty. And we never say, he never says why. He just disappears for a while. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk And he comes back it. and he's just like. <laughs> I will, I will mention that scene did go on for a long time, but it did one of those things where it was funny and then not funny, but then funny again by the end. So I was okay with it. That's fair. Very weird. Very weird. I had one, uh, realization watching it this time. You know, uh, that part where they, where they're watching one of their old, their British high Movies. society drama and, and mm-hmm. they all turn black and white and such. Mm-hmm. And then they quote yeah. a line. They start. They quote a line from the movie *Raging Bull*. *Raging Bull*, yes. And they do it over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and and it finally hit me. *Raging Bull*. 
Angry Minotaur. Ah! I just rolled right back to Eddie Izzard. (laughs) (laughs) You fuck my wife. You fuck my wife. I am your wife. Yes, but you fuck my wife. Yes, I am your wife and I fucked your wife. (laughs) Just subtle things. Very well thought out. I agree. Here's another subtle thing from it. You know, at one point, uh, you know, the, uh, the keyboard hallway. Yes. And they, and they find the, uh, the keyboard box hanging on a wall. And then they wonder, where's the keyboard? And then you hear some, the music. The keyboard is doing the music. Yeah. For the movie. It's, that's where it's gone. It's sort of diegetic and sort of not. Even the, the origami birds that he made have come to life. Yes. I forgot about that. That they like attack. Well, they're in the room of like, uh, Olmec. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Legends of the Hidden Temple face. Yep. Yes. Which I found quite creepy. It was. I would have been very hesitant to climb through that mouth. I thought that too. Like, D and, the D&D player means like, no. Nope. God, if you were doing episode titles, hesitant to walk through that mouth, climb through that mouth. <laughs> it's definitely a contender, but we're not going to do titles in this one. At one point, the maze is starts to expand uh, beyond what Dave. Yeah, what it goes stopped. into like the apartment for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Do we think that Dave is subconsciously causing it to grow, or if it's growing under its own power, or the power of whatever creature from the evil beyond is controlling it? I think it's under its own power. Like it's out of Dave's control at this point, which ties back to the depression or the. Addiction thing. Oh, yeah? Correct, yeah. correct, correct. That it's, like, seeping into, like, more of the real world and outside of just what he's trying to control. Well, and ruining the lives of people he's close to. Yes. Ruining his apartment, ruining his relationships. Killing, literally killing people, which I love at the end, where they're like, like, uh, like, hey, Gordon, uh, you're gonna go ahead and just, uh, contact all the pe- the families of the people that died in this, right? And he's like, uh, wait, what? Right. <laughs> 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 I want to do a couple things uh, here before we go. Cardboard Bryn uh, gives a, a speech about the Minotaur uh, when they're buying time by interviewing her. Oh, and that one part where where her body sucks in the paper that Gordon has. Yes. That was neat. Did you think of that? Yeah. That was very cool. It was a cool effect. Yes, the effect was neat on that one. And it wasn't didn't really mean a ton, or maybe it does, and we didn't see it, but... It was definitely cool. I really enjoyed the uh, the speech that Bryn, under the control of the maze, gave here about the Minotaur, which I wrote down. <laughs> and it goes thusly. Born in shame, the dark manifestation, the unwanted, where else to be cast away but to the inescapable? Imprisoned in the labyrinth, its protector and prisoner, the Minotaur is a predator, haunted by bloodlust. The only thing it desires more than human flesh is freedom. I'm getting tired of your questions, human. And again, that goes back to the depression or the yep. the addiction thing. Yeah, you know, sure. it's, his, it's his own dark side. It's his own self-loathing. Mm-hmm. It, and he fear it's going after his friends, so he fears that his presence is harmful to them, perhaps. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, the other personality comes out when he's in depression or he's in whatever addiction that, or whatever. The, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. Under yeah. the influence. I always like that sort of character that is the yeah. the monstrous manifestation of a character's dark side, you know, uh, Pyramid Head or the Minotaur. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about Gordon. Commissioner or Gordon from this film? <laughs> Gordon from this film. Or Fishsticks. Or Fishsticks. 
That's Gortons, isn't it? Close enough. I don't <laughs> read while I'm eating fish sticks, nerd. <laughs> nerd! <laughs> I don't know if you notice this, but they the movie keeps track of Gordon's character development in the movie. How so? Because the, when he first shows up at the apartment, he's wearing a, sh- a white shirt with sort of a generic uh, video game-looking character inside it. I did notice that. As he goes along and uh, and performs acts of bravery or self-sacrifice, the image changes. Does it? It does. Oh. Until at the very end, it looks completely different, and it's definitely him with all sorts of weapons and armor and decked out like a true hero. Never noticed. I noticed it. I didn't catch that much of it. All I caught was they had 8-bit character art on the shirt at the beginning, and at the very, very end, when he climbs out of the pile of cardboard, uh, he's got a... a not a realistic drawing, but a much more yeah. artistic drawing on there. Did not catch any of it. <laughs> well, it's it's there. And I I mean, it seems like uh we found a film that you guys will, will be going back to. I'll probably go back to this, yes. Yes. I will probably yeah. go back to this. This'll be one of those things that'll be fun to get somebody who hasn't seen it to watch it with me. Yeah, right? Definitely a movie where I enjoy that. Our uh our occasional uh Silent consultant on the show. Yes, yes. He I might may try to get him. He'd be an interesting one to have watched this. Oh, he'll hate it, but. Oh, absolutely. We'll, uh, see. <laughs> we'll see how he feels about it at the end. Yeah. My hetero life partner that I watched bad movies with for years. Uh huh. I'm definitely going to suggest it to him. Did you watch this with your, uh, with your wife? I did. What was her thought on it? Uh, she didn't want to watch it at all from the trailer. Uh-huh. And by the time we got to the end of it, she's like, that was really good. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I can't, I can't blame her because I can never use the, no, I want to see this. Trust me. It'll be good. Uh, right. Because I've burned that bridge way too many times. That's <laughs> fair. That's completely fair. There's just one other, well, another little thing that I found interesting that I wanted to mention. One little film reference where everything's falling apart. And Gordon ends up in front of the vagina again. And everything's coming apart, and it starts to fall, and you think, oh no, he's going to go through it, he's going to turn into cardboard. But instead, it's just a reference to that one Buster Keaton movie where the house falls on him, and he just goes through the window. Oh, um... I don't know the movie, but I know the scene. Steamboat Bill? Maybe. I I can't remember the name of the title of the actual film, but yes, very Buster Keaton. Yes. There's just so much in this in this movie, both obvious and not obvious. It's one of those films that film nerds would pick up on a lot of small things. It was made by film yeah. nerds, yeah, yes. for sure. So true. The scene where they're in like the the hexagonal corridor, like yeah, the air vent, it's got the, the holes the in very, it. The very Kubrick corridor, I think, is what the, I think that's what they called it, the Kubrick corridor. Okay, yeah. To me, it felt like. 2001 A Space Odyssey or um, Alien or, yeah. you know, I, it wasn't very definitively one thing, but it it kind of felt that way. Yeah. It was very sci-fi, like 80s sci-fi. Yes. We get some, like, cartoon physics with, like, the put the blanket over the door and, like, it, Take it, it on. It'll, it'll, it'll go away. It's not cartoon physics. It's fort building physics. Yeah. It True. made a temporary wall. True. Okay, that's fair. Um, and then you saw the whole thing, like, bending in because the Minotaur is pushing on the whole wall. Yeah, it's like the breathing. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. I think I think we've waxed poetic as much as we can about this film. Uh, <laughs> it is a very good film. I would highly recommend it. It is one that going in, I was a little unsure initially. Like I said, once you get to the part where the first death happens, I was like, all right, I'm in. I think I'm in. This is great. I saw trailers for it and wanted to see it. And I just never had the... I never had that extra little oomph to get around to actually watching it. So I'm super happy we're doing this. I'm very happy we've done this, too. I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. Maybe six, maybe more. Less than ten, I'm pretty sure. Fair enough. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll always go back to it when I want to see something that just does something different. That it does. It definitely does that. Well, with that, before we close up, Bill's going to have the next one where we're going to watch something from him. So I'm going to ask, Bill, have you decided, not to put you on the spot, but have you decided what it is that you are going to have us experience for the next episode of our summer viewing. Speaking of movies that did something different. Okay. That are artistic. That are okay. outside the norms of Hollywood. All right. I like this. This is a little avant, something avant-garde. Yes, absolutely. Very. Okay. Oh, God. Uh-huh. This is starting to sound like it might be a trauma movie or something. We are going to watch traumas. Oh, God. <laughs> Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. Are we? Available for free on uh, Tubi. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Most of Troma's output makes me feel kind of sick to the stomach. Oh, and you will. Bill, Bill. Okay. Yeah. I have purposely not watched this film. When you all have watched this film multiple times, I have just conveniently not been around ever yep. to watch this film. Yep. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's all I got. You only have yourself to blame. I gave you three options that you drug your feet on. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> well, when life... Did, did, didn't I? When life gives you yeah. options... Make option aid. <laughs> and, you, and you don't pick those options, a chicken will crap all over you, is what I think mm-hmm. it comes down to. All right, well, yeah. I guess... Yes, I guess a complete chicken shit. I feel like you're actually going to take more out of it than you think you are. There God, is some so. satire. There is some social commentary in it. I it's not, hope so. It's not just all gross-out horror movie ickiness. I mean, there is, but that's not all it is. Well, that'll be next time. We're going to watch Poultry Geist. Matt Night and I are very of thrilled. Night of the Chicken Dead. Night of the Chicken Dead. Uh, hey, let's forget Yay. about that for now. Uh, and let's head out of here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Tuning Japanese Summer Viewing. Summer Viewing Program. Where three guys talk about whatever the fuck we want the other two to watch and experience and <sighs> heavily sigh at. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least mine was a good start. That's Yours was it. a great start. It was a fantastic start. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here, but I, either way, my name is Andy. <laughs> I promise you won't be bored. I'm Bill. And I am amazing. I'm Matt. Ending on a pun. How fitting. And we will see you next time. Peckers. No, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that for next week. I don't know that means what you think it means. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information on our show, visit tuningjapanese.com. 
where you can find links to our past eight seasons of the show, bonus episodes, and articles. You can also contact us on social media. Visit facebook.com slash tuningjapanese for updates, tweet at us at tuningjapanese, and email us your feedback and comments at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Please consider supporting our show by leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to today's episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, or any other number of podcatchers. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese and support the show monetarily. There you can find bonus episodes and our special audio series, Tuning In, where we provide first impressions on a number of popular anime series. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Ryan Nash and Matthew Van Diver. We need a title. How about, uh, I don't know, Dave Made a Maze? It's a little on the nose. It's actually not a maze, it's a labyrinth. Oh, we'll think of something. Gordon, I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally. Wait, what? <laughs>